Welcome to the Tech Meme Right Home for Tuesday, July 26, 2022. I'm Brian McCullough. Today, is the SEC about to crack down on Coinbase? Why is Kylie Jenner mad at Instagram? Why are all the big tech companies mad at the leap second, of all things? And a deep dive look at what Amazon probably wants to do with its big healthcare acquisition. Here's what you missed today in the world of tech. Again, is there a Coinbase risk for the broader crypto ecosystem? Sources are telling Bloomberg that before its probe into an alleged insider trading scheme, the SEC also started investigating whether or not Coinbase improperly let Americans trade digital assets on their platform. Quote, Coinbase Global is facing a U.S. probe into whether it improperly let Americans trade digital assets that should have been registered as securities, according to three people familiar with the matter. The U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission's scrutiny of Coinbase has increased since the platform expanded the number of tokens in which it offers trading, said two of the people who asked not to be named because the inquiry hasn't been disclosed publicly. The probe by the SEC's enforcement unit predates the agency's investigation into an alleged insider trading scheme that led the regulator last week to sue a former Coinbase manager and two other people. Coinbase shares fell as much as 4.8% in pre-market trading on Tuesday. The stock had lost almost three-quarters of its value this year. As the largest U.S. trading platform, Coinbase lets Americans trade more than 150 tokens. If those products were deemed securities, the firm could need to register as an exchange with the SEC. To decide if a digital asset is a security, the SEC applies a legal test, which comes from a 1946 U.S. Supreme Court decision. Under that framework, the agency considers a token generally to be under SEC purview when it involves investors kicking in money to fund a company with the intention of profiting from the efforts of the organization's leadership. SEC head Gary Gensler has long argued that many cryptocurrencies fall under that regulator's jurisdiction and that firms offering them should register with his agency. However, the SEC mostly hasn't said specifically which coins are securities, and exchanges remain able to decide on their own whether or not to list an asset. Platform operators are seeking to avoid offering those deemed securities because doing so could trigger investor protection rules, some of which crypto enthusiasts say are incompatible with digital assets." End quote. Meanwhile, this is almost exactly out of our recent discussion about social networks on a recent Twitter space. Something, something, nostalgia for how social networks were when you thought they were good. Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian are among many famous people who have recently posted stories sharing a petition to make Instagram Instagram again and stop trying to be TikTok. It's a petition that has more than 100,000 signatures at this point, quoting Insider. Kylie Jenner and Kim Kardashian, who have a combined 686 million followers on Instagram, told Instagram to stop trying to be TikTok in a story update on Monday. The message the two both shared said, Make Instagram Instagram again. Stop trying to be TikTok. I just want to see cute photos of my friends. Sincerely, everyone. End quote. In 2018, after Jenner tweeted that she didn't use Snapchat anymore, after the app's redesign, its stock quickly tumbled more than 8% that day. The estimated loss at the time was over $1 billion in market value. The timing isn't great for Meta. Last week, the company announced a redesign for the Facebook app that introduces the Home tab as the default feed, and it has a lot in common with TikTok. Namely, it's an algorithm-based endless scroll that prioritizes entertaining content that users want to see, even if it's from strangers over friends' status updates. 
Like TikTok, it's designed to keep people on Facebook as long as possible. Updates from friends will be found in another tab called Feeds. As for Instagram, Meta announced that any video that users post that's under 15 minutes will automatically become a reel and may be eligible to be recommended and seen by more people, end quote. You know, if the kids want algorithmically sorted content from strangers these days, then yeah, social media is moving on and maybe social media isn't for you anymore. Although that's kind of what people are saying, right? People are saying, I know what TikTok is. I know it's there, but I come to Instagram for something different than TikTok. Just because your business needs are pushing you to be more like TikTok doesn't mean I have to like it. That sentiment is summed up by user Tony Tone, who tweeted, Instagram is trying so hard to compete with TikTok that they're trying to become another TikTok. If I wanted to see video after video from random pages I don't follow, I wouldn't be on Instagram. Do what we need from you and bring back the photos of our actual friends, end quote. Though, as Sam Lesson tweeted, quote, If I had a few hundred million followers and a net worth approaching a billion dollars predicated on my Instagram account, I too would not want it to change. Back in reality, give me more funny short videos and less Kardashian, end quote. As Dan Grover tweeted, quote, Maybe Kylie Jenner is a dying relic of the old Instagram, the loudest voice for a sentiment that proved statistically insignificant on any quantifiable metric of user behavior affected by such changes, end quote. Never forget that Mark Zuckerberg watches the data. He knows what you want before you do, and he is not afraid to push you to what he wants as well. What if Kylie Jenner content has become a declining asset value, age and cultural irrelevance. It comes for all of us, just slower or faster for some of us. Possibly germane to that last discussion, Meta has launched music revenue sharing to allow U.S. creators to include licensed music in their greater than 60-second Facebook videos and earn a 20% share of in-stream ad revenue, Quoting TechCrunch, with this new feature, whenever a creator uses licensed music in their videos on Facebook that are 60 seconds or longer, they can earn money on certain videos through in-stream ads. Creators will receive 20% revenue share on eligible videos, with a separate share going to rights holders and to Meta, though the company declined to share specifics. Meta says Facebook Reels are not eligible for monetization through music revenue sharing at this time. It's possible that the company may expand music revenue sharing to Reels in the future. To be eligible... For music revenue sharing, creators must be eligible for in-stream ads and meet Facebook's monetization eligibility standards. The featured song used in a video must also be part of the licensed music library, which contains all eligible songs for music revenue sharing. Eligible songs include popular songs from artists like Post Malone, Tove Lo, Grupa La Cumbia, Leah Kate, and Bicep, among others. Lastly, Meta notes that there must also be a visual component in the video and that the licensed music itself cannot be the primary purpose of the video, end quote. And another one of the biggest success stories of recent years has another one of these headlines for us. Shopify is apparently cutting around 1,000 workers or 10% of its global workforce citing consumers pulling back from online shopping. Folks are getting notified about potential layoffs by email, apparently, as I type this. Quoting the Wall Street Journal, Toby Lutke, the company's founder and chief executive, told staff in a memo sent Tuesday that the layoffs are necessary as consumers resume old shopping habits and pull back on the online orders that fueled the company's recent growth. 
Mr. Lukey said he had expected that surging e-commerce sales growth would last past the COVID-19 pandemic's ebb. It's now clear that bet didn't pay off, said Mr. Lukey in the letter, which was reviewed by the Wall Street Journal. Ultimately, placing this bet was my call to make, and I got this wrong, end quote. The Ottawa-based company will cut jobs in all its divisions, though most of the layoffs will occur in recruiting, support, and sales units, said Mr. Lutke. We are also eliminating over-specialized and duplicate roles, as well as some groups that were convenient to have, but too far removed from building products, he wrote. Staff who are being let go will be notified on Tuesday. Shopify reported annual revenue growth of 86% in 2020 and 57% in 2021, to about $4.6 billion. However, the company reported a softening this year and warned that 2022's numbers wouldn't benefit from the pandemic trends. In his memo on Tuesday, Mr. Lukey said, what we see now is the mix reverting to roughly where pre-COVID data would have suggested it should be at this point. Still growing steadily, but it wasn't a meaningful five-year leap ahead, end quote. Shopify reports earnings tomorrow afternoon, I believe. With everybody fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features features help you say the right thing at the right time every time plus you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to constant contacts best in class 97% deliverability rate i use this and you should too tackle any challenge with constant contacts expert live customer support plus everything's backed by their 30 day money back guarantee so get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at constantcontact.com just go to constantcontact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. When you go through airport security, there's one line where the TSA agent checks your ID and another line where a machine scans your bag. The same thing happens in enterprise security, but instead of passengers and luggage, it's end users and their devices. These days, most companies are pretty good at the first part of the equation where they check user identity, but user devices can roll right through authentication without getting inspected at all. In fact, 47% of companies allow unmanaged, untrusted devices to access their data. That means an employee can log in from a laptop that has its firewall turned off and hasn't been updated in six months, or worse, that laptop might belong to a bad actor using employee credentials. Collide finally solves the device trust problem. Collide ensures that no device can log into your Okta-protected apps unless it passes your security checks. Plus, you can use Collide on devices without MDM, like your Linux fleet, contractor devices, and every BYOD phone and laptop in your company. Visit collide.com slash ride to watch a demo and see how it all works. That's K-O-L-I-D-E dot com slash ride, collide.com slash ride. All right, this was out of left field as a headline to cross my transom when I sat down to get to work this morning. Meta, Google, Microsoft, and Amazon have all joined the NIST's push 
to scrap the leap second, which keeps clocks in sync with the Earth's rotation, but can cause glitches. Quoting CNET, Since 1972, the world's timekeeping authorities have added a leap second 27 times to the global clock known as the International Atomic Time, or TAI, instead of 23 hours, 59 minutes, 59 seconds, changing to 000 at midnight. An extra 23 hours, 59 minutes, and 60 seconds is tucked in. That causes a lot of indigestion for computers, which rely on a network of precise timekeeping servers to schedule events and to record the exact sequence of activities, like adding data to a database. The temporal tweak causes more problems like internet outages than benefits, they say, and dealing with leap seconds ultimately is futile, the group argues, since the Earth's rotational speed hasn't actually changed much historically. We are predicting that if we just stick to the TAI without leap second observation, we should be good for at least 2,000 years. Research scientist Ahmad Bayagawi of Facebook parent company Meta said via email, perhaps at that point we might need to consider a correction, end quote. The tech giants and two key agencies agree that it's time to ditch to the leap second. Those are the U.S. National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, and its French equivalent, the Bureau International des Poids et Mesures, or BIPM. This governmental support is critical given that ultimately it is governments and scientists, not technology companies, that are in charge of the world's global clock system. The leap second change triggered a massive Reddit outage in 2012, as well as related problems at Mozilla, LinkedIn, Yelp, and airline booking service Amadeus. In 2017, a leap second glitch at Cloudflare knocked a fraction of the network infrastructure company's customer servers offline. Cloudflare software, comparing two clocks, calculated that time had gone backward, but couldn't properly handle that result. Computers are really good at counting, but humans introduce irregularities like leap seconds that can throw a wrench in the works. One of the most famous was the Y2K bug, when human-authored databases recorded only the last two digits of the year, and messed up math when 1999 became 2000. A related problem is coming in 2038, when a 32-bit number that some computers use to count the seconds from January 1st, 1970 is no longer large enough. And earlier this year, some websites choked when web browsers hit version 100 because they were programmed to deal with only two-digit version numbers. To ease the problems with computer clocks that don't like 61-second minutes, Google pioneered the idea of the leap smear that makes the leap seconds changes in many tiny steps over the course of a day. Adding leap seconds causes problems with computers, and at some point, we'd have to subtract one, too, something that's never happened, and that would likely uncover new problems. It could have a devastating effect on the software relying on timers and schedulers, Bayagawi and meta-engineer Oleg Olbokov said in a blog post Monday, end quote. Finally today, a blog called Out of Pocket has an interesting deep dive on Amazon purchasing One Medical. Interesting angle here. The author says, acquiring One Medical is likely cheaper than unionization would be and could be used as a tool to fight against unionization of employees generally. Quote, let's start with the obvious. Amazon bought PillPack. They now own One Medical. They're trying to build a health wearable, and through Amazon Care, seem to have the infrastructure for home care delivery and lab testing. It's much easier to guide patients to commodity services like a mail-order pharmacy or lab testing if you own the prescriber too. 
My guess is the next logical steps are same-day pharmacy delivery, durable medical equipment delivery, remote patient monitoring, and home labs. I could see the One Medical Hubs end up being a way to expand their home health services footprint as well, since Amazon Care seems to only offer it in certain locations today, and they'd need a national footprint for national contracts. To me, this is a story about Amazon Prime as much as it is about One Medical. Amazon Prime recently announced a price hike and growth for it has slowed. The value of the Prime bundle seems to get more questionable as prices go up, competitors close in, and people wonder whether getting an air fryer overnight is necessary. For me, One Medical has been a fantastic service when I've ever needed primary care, but ever since I left a company that pays the yearly $200 fee, I've waffled about whether it's worth paying when I barely use primary care. It would make sense to bundle Prime, which I get a little value from pretty regularly, with One Medical, which I get a lot of value from very sporadically. That would make the whole bundle much more appealing, and I could see them potentially offering different Prime tiers that include health services. Actually, I probably would never have tried One Medical if my employer hadn't covered it. I only saw the value after using it. That might be the same for Prime members who get a visit included in their bundle where Amazon can target the particularly valuable Prime customers for One Medical discounts slash offers since we know they have that data. Another story is the struggle that tech-enabled services companies are going to face now. One Medical was founded in 2007 and has been building and iterating on its model ever since. It has lots of lucrative contracts generated $623.3 million in revenue last year and has actually made decent margins on care delivery prior to the Iora acquisition. And yet even still, it dropped to one-fourth of its market cap before getting scooped up. If this is the fate of a company like One Medical, what does this mean for other tech-enabled services companies currently in private markets? I sense this is the beginning of a fire sale of tech-enabled services, either to private equity, if they actually have a path to generating cash, to non-healthcare players that want to move quickly and buy contracts slash patient lives for cheap, or to payers building out their primary and specialty care divisions. While probably not the main reason for the acquisition, it seems likely that One Medical would be used to manage the health of Amazon's 1.1 million employees as well, especially considering their warehouses seem prone to injuries and musculoskeletal issues are a big problem that they call out wanting to solve. I wouldn't be surprised if this was a tool they use in their ever-growing fight against the unionization of employees by saying, hey, we're already making big investments into your health benefits by bringing this awesome on-site slash virtual care to you. A few billion is likely cheaper than the unionization would be. Personally, I'm actually pretty ambivalent about this purchase. I expected after the Whole Foods purchase that they were going to do lots of interesting experiments in retail, use the stores as micro-fulfillment centers, etc. But the only thing that's changed is now I can scan my app to get $3 off a $150 grocery basket. I'd love to post a futurist take with lots of retweets about how the primary care and grocery integration will work, or how Alexa will be used for voice-to-text dictation in the office and patients' homes, or how data from the One Medical EMR is going to train AWS natural language processing software to make it better. But honestly, I think Amazon is just a big company and doing risky things in healthcare is not what big companies do, though I'd love to be wrong. Once I see an interesting business model shift in one medical post-acquisition, e.g. bundled in Prime, launching an insurance plan around it, etc., my interest will be piqued. But until then, I just see Amazon as owning a regular primary care clinic chain that operates independently with some additional marketing." End quote. Nothing for you today. Talk to you tomorrow.